Well, let's hope that the government's policy in relation to the vaccination, in relation to the Wuhan virus works out and the vaccinations remain as they should be, voluntary rather than compulsory. But there's a certain madness in relation to the administration of the policy of government policy in relation to the Wuhan virus, which everybody insists on obeying the communists and calling it COVID-19, which is the preferred name by the Chinese communists, who in many ways made this problem far worse than it should have been. Now, James O'Day is a farmer who lives outside of Mildura, a long way away from Melbourne. And there have been cases of the virus in Mildura for months and months, probably six months. Well, according to the Victorian government, Mr O'Day, when he goes out onto his farm, has to wear a mask. All alone, he has to wear a mask. This is something which has continued throughout this crisis. And it recalls, for example, what happened when the National Cabinet took that momentous decision to impose what is effectively a national lockdown. They all agreed on a lockdown, not in relation to themselves. They exempted themselves and they exempted the public sector, but it was directed mainly at the small business sector and those who work in it. And that all started following a photograph taken on Bondi Beach of a lot of young people enjoying themselves. And with such photographs, there was an illusion, an optical illusion, which suggested they were closer to one another than they really were. And uh, as we know, the, the virus doesn't like the sun and doesn't like the wind, but nevertheless, the commentators said that they were all morons and uh, the governments decided to impose a major lockdown throughout Australia at enormous cost, cost which our grandchildren will still probably be paying for. And there were terrible things, shocking things that happened on Barnet. Mounted police, for example, telling an old lady sitting on a park bench, enjoying her coffee to leave and go up into the crowds on Campbell Parade, where she was much more likely to catch the virus if it were around. Or some boys who'd sat down on the grass, leaving their, their bikes beside them, and six police had to tell them to move on. And then there was a, an authoritative person standing there with a loudspeaker on the clifftop, calling a boy on a surfboard, miles out, well, not miles out, but a long way out, calling him, instructing him to come back to shore. Did she really think he was going to catch the virus out there alone on a surfboard? It is ridiculous what has happened, but worse happened, and probably the most terrible, at least which was caught on film, was that of the young pregnant mother who the police came and came to her house. They arrested her. They not only arrested her and they not only handcuffed her, but they handcuffed her with her hands behind her back. And what had she done? She'd inserted a notice about a protest against lockdowns on Facebook. This was the communist approach to dealing with the virus, not 
a democratic society's approach to dealing with the virus. The virus, when it broke out, should have been the subject of a search by governments and their vast myriads of advisors, personal advisors to ministers, the public service and the numerous consultants that they employ for world's best practice. And it wasn't difficult to find, as I found, and I'm no expert in this area, it was obvious when you looked at all the ways in which different governments handled this, that Taiwan had world's best practice. And the proof of that has been, subsequently, in the fact that Taiwan, with about the same population as Australia, much closer to the mainland of China, has had, without any lockdown whatsoever, nine deaths, nine deaths, about one hundredth of Australia with the same population. Can we say that we've been more successful without having to spend the vast amounts of money we've done with the lockdown, ruining people's businesses, ruining careers, driving people to suicide, having these lockdowns, internal border closures, and we've got a hundred times the death of a country which had a battle plan, which ensured that they didn't need any lockdowns and which has resulted in so few deaths. It was easy to find Taiwan as world's best practice. Why didn't our governments do this? Why instead did they obviously not know of or reject, which is more likely, reject the Taiwanese solution? Was it because they were still being deferential to communist China? The politicians being deferential to communist China is quite a serious problem here. Otherwise, why have they approved so many premium assets in Australia, even strategic assets, being placed under the control of mainland corporations, which all answer, in the ultimate analysis, to the Communist Party of China? Was it because the mainland government, the Communist government, tells everybody else to treat Taiwan as a leper, that we didn't follow the Chinese, or rather the Taiwanese example, which is clearly world's best practice. Why did we reject that? And then why, when the National Cabinet had all that modelling in front of them, modelling they decided to keep secret for a while, why you keep modelling secret is very difficult to understand, it's not a state security secret. They had modelling which was quite similar to that from Imperial College London, which has proven to be, on numerous examples, to be exaggerated. It predicts more, more problems than actually happen in relation to other crises. And the actual documents the National Cabinet had in front of them contained a monumentous error. It was a mathematical error. It contained a projection of a need for intensive care units, their special beds with respirators and so on, a need for 35,000 daily at the height of the virus, 
if we didn't have lockdowns and 5,000 if we didn't, if we had a lockdown. We've had no need of anything like that. And the figures were transposed in the document. They were erroneous. Nobody noticed it. And it was only noticed when the documents were finally released. And a prudent scientist at James Cook University actually noticed this major error. But it led, for example, to some very silly decisions. It probably led to the decision not to have elective surgery for a year, to suspend it for a year. And imagine what that did to a lot of people. A lot of people suffered very severely from that. The politicians, of course, exempted themselves and the public sector, and they've been completely out of control with their on and off border closures, separating a whole state when that wasn't necessary, and the lockdown, some states having more lockdowns than others, in particular Victoria. It has been appalling, and if we'd followed world's best practice, that is Taiwan's, we'd have had no lockdowns, and we would have had one-tenth of the deaths. The Taiwanese have a very sophisticated way of quarantining people using special mobile phones and watching people through the mobile phones to make sure that there are no breaches of the quarantine. They've worked it out very well. They're much closer physically to the mainland where the problem was. They're not far away as we are. Now, there's a view which has come out in the media that Australians approve of the way governments have acted in Australia. And the proof of that is in the Queensland election, they say, and in the opinion polls which support existing governments. Well, I don't think Australians are so gullible as to think that politicians have saved us from the crisis. The biggest thing that has saved us from the crisis is that once we closed down easy access to Australia, we had all the advantages of being an island or two islands and remote islands. The advantages that, for example, they don't have in Europe. And it's much easier for the virus to cross frontiers in Europe than it is in Australia. We have this great natural advantage, which helped us so much in the Second World War, because that was the principal reason why the Japanese decided to go no further than Papua New Guinea, apart from their incursions by air and by submarine into Australia. Our isolation, our being to islands, is very much in our interests and helps us. Now, Australians are not so gullible as to think that governments did that. But of course, at the same time, the media, the mainstream media, did not subject the federal government or the state governments to the degree of scrutiny that they should. And too often, the media were very much the bandwagons. They, they, were, they were the amplifiers. They gave out the information, but they subjected governments to very little scrutiny, probably not as much as they should have. But Australians also 
have found in elections that they don't have much choice. In Queensland, for example, and probably in Western Australia, the opposition is too much like the government. It's a weak version of the government. And we see this in the federal parliament where both sides are climbing over one another to observe the the need to control emissions because of a discredited theory about global warming and its impact, man-made global warming, and its impact on the climate and the argument that this can be defeated by cutting off emissions of carbon dioxide. Most politicians don't believe this. If they did, they wouldn't have such enormous carbon, as they call it, carbon footprints. They mean carbon dioxide footprints. If the politicians really believed that the Paris solution was the answer, that all the other governments will observe this, that the exceptions for China and India and so on will have no effect. If they actually believe all this, why do they have such large carbon dioxide footprints? Why don't they pick up the phone or use their computers when they wish to speak to people instead of flying at great expense, not all around the country and staying in good hotels? Well, all of this is not necessary. We have a problem in relation to the virus. Had we done what the Taiwanese did, had we followed world's best practice, we wouldn't be in the mess, the financial mess, the careers mess, and the impact on people's lives, which is completely unnecessary. The politicians have failed us and they are out of control and they have tasted power and they are abusing power. As the great Lord Acton once said, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Could you ever have seen a better example of the dangers of what Lord Acton warned the world about than the Australian government's reaction to the Wuhan virus? We really need to subject our politicians to greater control by the people. Australians, it's time to take back our country. Mm -hmm.